0: Morning, everybody. All right. So uh, the church is a place of judgment and hypocrisy. Welcome, right? It's a perfect way to start, right? Those of you joining us online, please don't close out the browser yet. It's true, right? That that's the impression of the church. It's full of judgmental people, a bunch of hypocrites. In fact. In a recent survey uh, of 16 to 29-year-olds in America, 90% of them think Christians are judgmental. 80% of them feel the church is hypocritical. And we all sit here and think about it and be like, you know what, they're not that far off. As Christians, we can often be that. And so the question we get to wrestle with is, wh- why? Why is the church so judgmental? So again, if you're new with us, welcome. We're glad you're here. This is the Sunday where we just get to like turn the mirror at ourselves, maybe more than normal, and just look at all our flaws and point them all out. Because this is something that we, that we wrestle with, right? Because we claim as a church to have the hope that everybody needs... Right? The world needs to hear this message, but don't come near us because we're going to make you feel bad for coming. And we've probably all experienced that in some way, right? We've been somewhere where we've felt that everybody's just looking down their, their nose at us, right? Around people who seem to have their life together, and then there's me. And I'm, I'm, when I come there, I feel like all of my flaws are just highlighted and like, here's the big spotlight on me, Right? We're glad you're here, but are they right? And we've all felt that in some way or, or another. But so as we get through this really quickly, uh, I want to just kind of highlight a couple things and kind of give you a frame of reference for everything we're going to be talking about. Because we're talking about the church, and so we got to kind of define that. Right? When we're talking about the church being judgmental. Part of that is recognize we're talking about the the church as a whole. Right? And so the. We're talking about throughout North America, right? We'll we'll leave the rest of the world alone for now because we've got enough problems of our own. But we're just talking in America, right? The churches that we've been to, as as a church, we deal with this, and and so part of it we're going to talk about that. But also we're talking about this church, this local gathering right here in Dubuque, Hope Church. And so part of the time when I'm talking about church, I want you to be thinking about. Church as a whole, the, the large, kind of universal church part of it, we're talking about here in Dubuque. And then part of it is that our understanding of the church is that, that I'm I'm a part of the church. All right? And so as we talk through this, here's the challenge for you. Try to keep all three of those things in your mind at the same time. All right? Because part of this is for us collectively as the church. Part of this is for us as individuals. How do we live this out? What does it look like? Because part of this challenge of, of the church being judgmental and hypocritical is, is me. And part of it is us. And part of it is, is the church as a whole. As we look at this idea, this isn't anything new either, right? Because this is one of the things that Jesus dealt with head on. Right? As he, on his earthly ministry as he was in Israel, he dealt with and he challenged on numbers of occasions the religious leaders. And he challenged them for this very thing that they were self righteous, they thought they had it all together, and they started, they, they heaped rules and regulations on everybody else. And they pointed out the flaws in everybody else. And as Jesus is teaching about this, he, he tells this little parable. So today we're, we're looking in Matthew chapter 7. So go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. If you don't have a Bible here in the, in the room, there's some Bibles in the chairs in front of you, or you can uh, jump online, a Bible app. But Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. As Jesus is teaching, he says this He says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And then as we keep learning, as we go through these parables, Jesus tells a little parable, a little story to illustrate his point. And he says this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So why do we, why do we miss this? Right? Why do we get this point wrong so often? How, how is it that the church for all of history has, has struggled with this? I think a large part is just because of our, our own human nature and our, our own self. And so let me just clear the air here. Um, when we were talking about doing the parables, and we were kind of looking at him and we we're planning out our sermons here. He's like, oh, that's a fun one. I'll do that one. And now that I'm standing here getting ready to teach you, I'm like, man, why did I pick this one? Because everything I'm saying to you, man, it's like, how, how do you read that and then start to t- teach other people about it without, like, being aware of the glaring mirror pointing right back at me? But so why, do, why do we miss this? Why do we struggle with this? Why do we get this point wrong so often? Right, and what what does Jesus mean as he's teaching? Do not judge. Right, that's really one of the big questions that we have to to wrestle with right off the bat. I mean, the first words, "Do not judge." All right, and we live in a culture that like latches on to that. Right, we live in a world where we don't want we don't want people to judge us. All right, we live in a culture cultural you, you don't have a right to say what I'm doing is right or wrong. Right. It's, We live in a culture that just accepts that we don't want absolute truth governing us. We want to be able to do our own thing in our own way and and find our own right path. And if that's the culture we live in, and then on top of that, this is what Jesus said. Jesus says, do not judge. And so we just buy into that, that line. Jesus said don't judge. Our culture says don't judge. So nope, no judging here. Right? And it wasn't just in this one place. Jesus said it multiple times. Luke 6, verse 37, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. And then throughout the rest of the New Testament, Romans 14, 13, Therefore let us not judge one another anymore. James 4, 11, Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. And so we we hear this in the the Bible, right? We're not to judge. We live in a culture that tells us, well, don't judge. And so what do we do? We freeze. (laughs) We don't know how to handle this. How how do we do it, right? We we know that there's something not quite right here. Something doesn't line up. And so what's wrong? What's going on? And then on top of that, Jesus is teaching this parable because he was confronting the religious leaders who were doing things wrong. They were judging people. And we've experienced it too, right? The church is still that way. It's still full of people who are judgmental hypocrites. And we felt it. We know that it's not always welcoming. We know that it's not right and that we, we, we can sense it that the very people that as a church were called to serve are the people who were running away. And the, the church can be this, this hypocritical, self-righteous place that, that just isn't right. And so we're stuck in this, this conundrum of not knowing what to do. And so I think that the, the thing we got to start with is as we wrestle with this idea, we have to go right, right back to the, the very core of our faith. The bedrock of what we believe is that God is perfect, and God is holy, and God loves us. And we are all sinners who are undeserving of that love. And that's where the gospel comes in. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus came and did what we can do. He lived a perfect life and he died in our place to make us right with him. That if we repent of our sins and we put our trust in Jesus, that we are made right and that relationship with God is restored and we have hope. That is the very core of our faith. That's the foundation of what we believe, right? And if that's the case, then as followers of Jesus, as Christians, the church is open for everybody. Everyone is welcome here, regardless of who they are, what they've done, where they've been, where their life is at. The gospel is for everybody. The church is, has always been, and always needs to be open and welcome for every broken person who's in desperate need to know and experience the perfect love of God. The church has to be a place where people can be known, can belong, and can be welcomed in and pursued because of who God is and what Jesus did for us. At its very core, who we are as a church, the church, we are a field hospital. A whole bunch of broken, imperfect people caring for broken and imperfect people. We can never be a country club full of perfect people. Because if that's who we are as a church, then we all have to leave right now. So if that's the case, then then what do we do with this whole judging thing? That's what we're going to look at because... What did Jesus really say? What did he mean by all this? Are we supposed to judge people? Are we not? If so, how? Like Those are the, those, are those like, practical questions. What do, what do we do with this? So I, th- I think as we want to talk about judging, there's some important ground rules we just need to lay out right now. So we're going to start with some important ground rules. Because we are told to judge. In fact, as Jesus says that, like we're not to judge. Right, the, the first verse right there in 7. Matthew 7, verse 1, do not judge, but then he goes on to tell us how we're to judge, right? And lots of times we read the New Testament, there's lots of times where we're instructed how to judge one another, okay? So we got to have some clear standards and clear ground rules to understand what this all means, and I think part of the problem is, is that we all naturally judge things, right? We're always comparing ourselves to how we stack up against other people, we're always comparing ourselves to, to the way things are. Where do I fit in in all of this? Where do I rank? Right? And, and when we're honest, we always somehow rank in the top 50% in whatever category, right? There's always more than half people worse than us. And we just naturally do that. But, but why? And, and, and we need to kind of define this whole idea of judging. What do we mean by judging? Because the reality is, is most of us understand, most of experience, like the church Christians, we don't do this well. And oftentimes the judging feels hypocritical. A lot of times it feels like condemnation. And it feels like like people are just showing off how much better they are than us. So as a church, how do we do this well? So I think part of it is recognizing when we talk about judging, God is the judge, we're not Right, I'm not the one who gets to say when, when it comes to heaven. Right, I don't know exactly how this is going to work, but you know all the jokes say that Saint Peter's sitting by the door reading a book. Right, so I'm. It, it's not my job to be there, being the one ultimately who says you're in, you're out. You're, right, that's not me. And so when we're talking about judging, what are we talking about? I think the the best way that I understand this and grasp is, is you know those games, those spot the different games. Right, here's a picture. Study this picture, now look at this picture and find the five things that are ro- different, right? I like to do the ones in the kids' books because I'm better at them, right? Some of them can be really difficult, right? You're staring at this picture and then you look at this other picture. What are the differences? And some of them get really tricky and they're like, well, this one, the clock's at like 12.05 and this one is at 12.04. Right? And you're like supposed to somehow notice that little thing, right? Well, what are the differences? That's what we're talking about when we talk about judging. How do we measure up? What things aren't right? What things are the same and what things are off? And so even when we understand that idea of judging, we still do it wrong. One of the main reasons is this. We have to keep in mind as we're we're playing the spot the difference game, is what's the standard? What's the picture that we're comparing things to? A standard we measure everything up against is Christ. And too often when we play this game, we put ourselves in that spot or or somebody else. We've picked out some person that we think has their life together, and that's the the measure we use. And then it's like, well, how do I compare to them? Right? Well, this person, man, these people, these are great parents. So if I could just be more like them, how do I measure up compared to them? Or man, compared to these other people, like I'm a great great person. I look at all the things in their life and like, man, look how good I am. I'm doing well compared to them. Look at my neighborhood. Man, I'm, I'm the best neighbor on the block. All right, I'm, I'm kind. I, I deliver Christmas cookies, and I like help shovel sidewalks, and my yard looks great. I'm a great neighbor. I'm a good citizen. All right, we, we've got all these different standards that we use, but the standard for everything has to be Christ, because it's not how we compare to other people. It's how do we measure up to Christ. It's not whether I'm a good husband, a good father, a good neighbor, a good employee. It's, am I a good imitator of Jesus? Because that's what we're called to be as followers of Jesus, imitators of Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 to 24. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in His steps. Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be imitators of Christ. He's the standard. He's the thing that we spot. How do we measure up? What's different? Does my life match up with Christ? What's different? What's off? Nothing else. This is, this is your guys' invitation right now as followers of Jesus to, to, to judge me and, and everybody else who gets up to, here to preach. Right? Not by, oh, I like the way they're dressed, I like the way they talk, but does what they say measure up against the Word of God? Does what they say match what God is saying? Does it ring true to God's Word? All right, so that's the first standard we have to keep in our mind. The standard is Christ. Everything matches up against Him. The second ground rule that we've got to think about judging is this. We don't judge people who don't claim Christ. That's not our responsibility. Right? And that's one of the things that people struggle with the church, right? Why is the church expecting everybody who doesn't claim to be a Christian to live like Christians? Right? It kind of sounds like that weird contradiction like, I'm on a diet, so you all need to not eat any Oreos today. Right? Because I expect you to, to do what I'm doing and live my way. Right? I know this gets tricky, and some of you are probably saying, but, but wait, like if God's the ultimate truth, like doesn't he get to set standards? Y- yes, this does get challenging. This is one of those like, challenging things that we've got to wrestle through because it's true that, that God is truth, and he is ultimate truth. What God says is true and right. And, and Romans 1 teaches us that God has, has made everyone know. There, there's nobody without excuse in all of history that God is God, and we're not. And there's a, there's a moral code that God has woven into all of creation, a standard of right and wrong. And so yeah, there is this piece of, of recognizing that, right? That yeah, God, God determines what's right and wrong, and people don't get to determine that for themselves. But when we talk about this, this idea of judging and, and calling people out on where they don't measure up with Christ, they, the expectation is this, like why am I holding people to a standard that I myself fail to live up to? Especially when I'm doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit and they're dead in their sins and don't claim Christ. Right? How how are we supposed to wrestle with that? Ephesians 2 said that we were once dead in our sins, but then Christ came and made us alive, right? It's not by my own power that I'm doing any of this. God rescued me, made me alive, and it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that I'm learning to walk in obedience to Him. And so my job as a follower of Jesus is not to judge and condemn the people who aren't doing what I'm struggling to do. Because we have to talk about this idea of sanctification, right? This is one of those... Great churchy words, right? This big church word is sanctification, which is really just talking about this process of being made like Jesus, right? It's the process of, of a marble block being chipped away into this beautiful piece of art and to take away all the parts that didn't match up, right? It's the spot, the difference game. Here's the areas where this picture doesn't match up, so we need to change these to match this. God is holy, I'm not, and as I follow Jesus, the goal, as outlined in 1 Peter 1.15, is to be holy as I am holy, right? That's what challenge challenge us. Be like Jesus. Be holy like he's holy. I'm not holy. But we're being made into the image of Christ. Romans 8.29 says that we're being refined. We're being conformed into the image of Christ. As followers of Jesus, wherever we started out. We're made alive in Christ, and then the rest of our life is this process of chasing after Jesus, learning to imitate Him, of, of sanctification, of the parts in me that don't match Christ being refined, being changed as I learn to walk in obedience by the power of the Holy Spirit. And how's that happen? It's not instant, right? It's not that, like, Jesus, I surrender and I trust you, and poof, everything's different. No, it's this daily process of learning to walk in obedience. And God uses His church. He uses His Word. He uses the body of Christ. Hey, this is, this is why we as a church are constantly challenging you to get connected into a life group. Because Sundays are great. We get to come together. We get to hear God's Word. We get to be challenged together. We get to worship together. But then we all leave. And it's fairly easy to walk into this room and walk out without really getting to know people around us. But as we get connected into community, into life groups, we spend time with God's Word and with God's people. And God uses people in our lives to help refine us and help us to grow in obedience. That's where judging should come in in the Christian life, is in these relationships as we know Christ together as we seek to be obedient to him so how should we judge we're we're called to do right as we point out how we measure up against Christ so how, how do we do this understanding the ground rules that the measure is Christ nothing else and knowing that this is for those of us who claim Christ and are walking in obedience to him how do we do this in one another's lives and how do we do it in a way that's not just run off? We're not just the, the, the expert judges who get to point out the faults in everybody else. So how do we do this? And really, that's the, the point of this, this parable that Jesus tells. It points out all the wrong ways we do it, and, and it's, it's a way for us to understand how do we do this well. All right, so the first thing, we're to judge in the context of relationship. And this is one of the areas where I think as the church, we get it wrong all the time. Right? It's, it's I mean, it's never, well, hopefully never quite this blunt, but it's like, hey, how are you? Great, nice to meet you. Here's all your faults. Thank you. Fix those and come back. Right? But that's the way it often feels, right? Like, you don't know anything about me and you're just looking at me. Here's, all the, here's how you don't measure up. Right? And a lot of that's our own insecurities, right? We walk into a place where we're like, oh, I'm underdressed. Or, oh, I don't know what to do here. Or, oh, I, 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 we recognize those things in ourselves, right? But judging is meant to be done in relationship. We have to build relationships. We have to, we have to earn the right to speak truth into people's lives. Right? Because there's a whole difference. You guys know this to be true, right? You can be doing anything and, and some random person will be like, you're terrible. Right? And you're like, okay, Great. Right? But someone who knows you, when they come and speak truth to you, you're like, you know what, you really shouldn't do that. Right? It, it takes on a whole nother meaning, right? We have to earn the right to speak truth into people's lives. This is judging is meant to be done in relationship. Right? Because then we know one another and we can speak truth into each other's lives. We can look at this picture of Christ. Here's here's what Jesus calls us to be, and, and man, this part of your life doesn't match up. Christ was patient. Like, man, the more time we spend together, you you just seem to have this issue that doesn't match up with Christ. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Right? Wounds from a friend. When, When... when someone we know and we've established a relationship with, we know that they care about us. They know that, that the reason they're telling us is not just to point out our flaws and how much better they are than us. But they know that, man, as we chase after Jesus, here's an area where, man, you're not quite measuring up. And here's an area where you can get better at this, this doesn't matter. I, I care about you. I want you to grow in your relationship with Christ. I want you to be a better husband, a better father, a better neighbor, a better friend. All of those things. And, and we do that by being like Jesus. Those are still wounds, right? They still hurt. Right? When those areas of our life that don't measure up, when, 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 when God chips those things away, man, it hurts. It doesn't feel good to be corrected. But in relationship, when we know the purpose of it, when we know why it's being done, because it's being done out of genuine care for us. The second thing is that, that judging needs to be done on invitation. We're to judge on invitation, right? And part of this comes from relationship, right? That, that I've as we get to know each other, I'm, I'm inviting you in. I'm inviting, I'm. I'm claiming to you, I want to chase after Jesus. I want to pursue Christ. And the invitation is that, hey, as you see things in me that don't measure up, let me know. Help me to grow in that area. Or maybe it's, man, I see you chasing after Jesus, and man, in this area, you are so good. Man, how do, how do you do that? I want, to, I want to learn from you. Show me. That we're to judge in those ways. That there's this invitation in in this parable. We see the speck in the one person's eye, right? You see a speck in your brother's eye. When we are talking about the speck, right? Well, first off, we just, I haven't even said anything about this yet, but man, Jesus is so good at just drawing these ridiculous comparisons, right? This speck is probably like that that little speck of dust that gets in your eyes when you're out on a windy day. And then a, a plank sticking out of your eye. Right? It's that whole, like, ridiculous, like, how do you even move your head? Like, how did you get out the door? Right? you just like, it, my mind starts going through all those, probably, like, how did you put a shirt on? Like, all those questions just coming to mind. It's just this ridiculous comparison. Right? But the reality of the speck is this, is you're walking outside and, and something gets in your eye. Do I see that? Can I notice that well? No. Right? It's not like normally I'm like walking along and I'm like, oh, I see you've got a, a little piece of dust blew into your eye. Let me help you. I know the reality is that if I'm out on a windy day and I get something in my eye, like, it starts, I probably don't even notice it right away. But then it just starts to get irritated and I'm like working. And then I, at the point where I can't take care of it myself, like I, I do that awkward thing where I go to my wife and I'm like, hey, Emily, can you like help me? And then I'm like doing that weird like Hold my eye open, like, bending down. She's shorter, so I have to, like, get really down like this. Right? And you're just inviting them to, like, get in there and, like, find something they probably can't even see. Right? And most of the time when you're getting a speck out of your eye, somebody's, like, like rubbing their finger in your eye a little bit. Right? Like, some of you are, like, really not liking this part. Right? But, like, and then they're, like, did I get it? And they're, like, I don't know. And then you're just, like, well, yeah, I think you did. Right? it's but but this imagery in this parable is that that the, you you can't see this this speck, but it's like I'm inviting you in because I, I can feel there's something wrong, man, you know what as as i as I hear god's word as as I spend time with god's people I can, I can just feel there's there's something not right, and I want to invite you into like, man, can you help me because I want to follow after Jesus, I want to live life that glorifies. Jesus, and I know something's wrong in my life, can you help me? And again, it has to happen in relationship. Right, that whole imagery of me like asking, I'm not going to go up to, like, well, probably most of you and ask you to dig around in my eyeball, right, or some stranger on the street, but it's, it's an invitation. Here's people I trust. I know that they're going to be gentle with me, they care about me. Again, here's an area where as a church we often mess up, but we judge without invitation. We see something we're like, yeah, you know what? Man, that's wrong. Right? We, just because we see something that doesn't measure up doesn't give us the right or the authority to speak out on it. Right? Because then we just become that like heckler at the crowd. Right? That doesn't, that doesn't accomplish much good. We're just shouting negative things at people. Oh man, your life's horrible. You're, you you don't know how to you don't know how to a- dress when you come to church. You don't know all the like we we just can just heap game or shame and guilt or game if you combine them somehow. Right, but we just heap that on people, although they can't they can't carry. And we don't know their story. Here's the third point. We're to judge with caution. All right, and this is, this is the, the huge one in this parable, right? The reality of that is, Jesus is just calling him out. Why do you go and try to take care of the speck in somebody else when you have this plank in your own eye? Right, when there's this huge problem in your own life, why are you going around trying to, to, to nitpick in other people's lives? And the reality is that, that yes, we're invited to, to judge one another. We're, we're called to in relationship as we pursue Christ. But the caution and the warning is this. man, We are not perfect. We all have blind spots. We all have planks in our own eye. We, none of us are, have it all together. As we imitate Christ, none of us have arrived. And so we need to be cautious as we point out things in other people's lives. Right? It's this this warning and this recognition that I don't have it all together. I'm not a perfect judge. I have my own issues. I don't understand and know people's hearts and motives. I'm not a perfect judge. I am very biased. I think I'm awesome. And yet the reality of the truth of God's word is, man, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And Jesus rescued me. And I'm learning to obey and follow him. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Right? When we see brothers and sisters who are struggling in sin, we're called to restore them. How gently, right? lovingly, how do we help people? How do we care for people? How do we help them as they maybe hit when blind spots see that, man, this area of my life doesn't match up. Here's an area of my life where I'm not being obedient to Jesus. Here's an area of my life where I'm not submitting to the authority of God in my life. And how do we re- gently restore them? But again, with a cautionary warning, Be careful, because you're a human, and you could make the same mistakes. You don't have it all together. Ultimately, I think it boils down to this, in all of this, as we judge one another, right? And this is that that great thing that we get to do as Apology that sounds so wonderful. Hey, come be a part of a church. Join a life group. We're going to judge each other, okay? right? But here's the key to all of this, is that the key to all of this is that you have to have a posture of humility. Right? It's, we have to constantly be reminded of who we are. That it's not about my accomplishments. I brought nothing to the table when it came to my salvation. I was dead in my sin. And if it weren't for Christ, if it wasn't for His work in my life, then I would be hopeless and Helpless. And so when I look at somebody else, I recognize that same thing. It's not about me. It's about all of us together chasing after Jesus. And when I look at those people outside the church, people who haven't come to understand the amazing truth of the gospel, then my heart should break for them. Because if it weren't for Jesus, then I would be just like them, if not worse. My life would be a mess if it weren't for the gospel and its work in my life. If it wasn't for what Jesus was constantly doing in me to, to restore me. Right? And so my heart should break. Because our, the way that we approach the rest of the world, as we, as we judge us and hold people to the standard of God's word, it should be out of love and care for other people, not my own self-righteousness, because I have no ground to stand on apart from the gospel. as part of what 1 Corinthians 13, as it's talking about love, at the beginning it's saying, if I had all wisdom, if I could speak truth, but I don't have love, then I'm a clanging cymbal. Right? If, if I don't love people, then me speaking truth is just a, an annoying, bothersome noise. We're called to love. and As we care for one another, we speak truth and we point out to her, this is God's standard, this is what Jesus is, how do we measure up, how are we growing to reflect that? As a church, we are far from perfect. That's the point. We haven't arrived, We're we're not a country club of perfect people that are like, have arrived or are almost there. No, we're a group of broken people who are chasing after Jesus. We have found the hope of the gospel and we want to connect more and more people with it as we chase after Jesus, as we seek to know him and make him known. And if that's the point, if that's the reality of who we are as a church, then man, let's let's drop the facade. Let's stop pretending. None of us are perfect. We have bad days. We yell at our kids in the car. We're not perfect parents. We struggle in so many ways and we come to church and smile and say yeah everything's great like let's be real with one another let's be genuine let's get connected into community where we can know one another and be known and chase after jesus together let's get to be in the place where where we welcome people in without judgment without guilt because we want them to understand the truth that we've found Because of all our welcomes we follow together, clinging to and submitting to His perfect standard. And the way that God works in and through us to change us and mold us into His image. We want to grow together, daily becoming more and more like Jesus. As we learn to surrender, <clears throat> as we learn to submit. And as God works in us to change us and mold us. Let's pray. Father, we, we come to you and God, we, we just reminded of, of your incredible love for us. God, that it wasn't about us and what we have to offer or anything we accomplish, but, but because of who you are and what Jesus did for us, that we have hope so Jesus, as a church, as as followers of you, may we never lose sight of that. May you continually remind us of your incredible grace. And God, as we remember that, as we reflect on that, God, help us to be people who reflect that to others. God, help us to be a place where people feel welcome to come. A place where we, can, where we can drop the, the facade and, and the show of, of making it look like we've got it all together. That we can be a place where, where we can genuinely care for one another and grow into the image of your son. God, help us to be a place where, where the hurting and the broken can come and encounter the incredible love of a God who loves them unconditionally. Help us to be a place where where scars don't have to mean shame, but but are a testament to who you are and what you have done as you have redeemed and restored and made new. God, help us to be a place where all of us can grow to become more and more like your son Jesus. Jesus. God, help us to be a church, to be a place where all are welcomed as we chase after you, to know you, to connect people with you, to understand and know you and make you known. Jesus, may we live to be your church in this community. And God, may you use us to love people well and to connect them with the amazing truth of the gospel. Help us to follow after you. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.